In that good news, bad news, or maybe no news scenario, it appears that the Republicans may in fact have a pretty big victory in the midterms, possibly. Okay, cool. I mean, that could make some difference. That is, if they get down to the work of actually confronting the reality of the institutions which have been captured. A city council person in western Washington had the FBI show up to arrest him. They they had the Pierce County (laughs) APC, armored personnel carrier, come with him. Uh, This guy had already offered to turn himself in. Why? Because he went to Washington, D.C. on Jan 6. That's, that's why. Full stop. That's it. He went there. And it's not just J6. It's on the topic of life. The, the bombings and radical vandalism against pro-life centers, these are birth centers, and well, you might call them life centers, those continue. And the arrests of pro-life protesters continue. I talked to Mia Cathell, who's a young reporter with Town Hall. No, I mean, if, if anyone actually just watched a clip of this footage, they'd see an 87-year-old grandmother in a wheelchair sitting in front of the front door. Like, any healthy, able-bodied person can easily get around her. And of course they could. But those are the people who are being arrested. If Liz Cheney gets her wish and she gets to hand this stuff off to the, uh, the DOJ, it's over. Will any Republican actually stand up against this in any serious way? They won't be able to. If Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy are still in charge. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. You know that uh, Two Americas theme that John Edwards paraded around while John Edwards had two relationships going? You know, the one where he was married to his wife who was dying of cancer, and the other one where he was having sex with a photographer on his campaign, that, that kind of Two Americas He was talking about haves and haves nots. That's what he was, the point he was making. A trial lawyer who got his money by suing people. There's, there are definitely more than two Americas in terms of the cultural revolution. And that's the point. The fracturing is the point. And the FBI is on the side of fracturing. They're they're on the side of making sure one side has more power. The DOJ, of course, sister agency to the FBI is in the same exact drive. They have the same exact goal to make sure that only one side, one group, has the power to enforce its will with the nation's most expensive former law enforcement agency. And 
its former Department of Justice. It, it, it is shocking to take in the breadth of the corruption. Kimberly Strassel writes about this in the Wall Street Journal, and she calls it incompetence and bias. Well, yeah, it, there is incompetence. Oh, and there is bias. But, but those things are as old as the sun shining. What we're talking about is a participation in a cultural war against the United States of America. And the two Americas, there's a two mental Americas, and this is part of the design of the Mockingbird Media. We'll get to the whole clip here because it's important. This is Senator Ron Johnson during a debate. And thank the Lord, it looks like Johnson is leading. He's a very important member of the Senate, in my judgment. Very much a truth teller when it comes to big pharma. And the first one to call out the, the, uh, the cartel. And first one to call out pharma for getting people killed, Senator Johnson. Part of the debate. FBI set me up with a corrupt, with a corrupt briefing and then leaked back to smear me. I am. No, I mean, right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. About, I, I mean, all right. He is referring to corruption with the FBI, which I've been trying to uncover and expose. All right. So do we have time for please audience, please. We're trying to get through these. No, that's real laughter. And that's from the members of the audience, highly, you know, screened, of course, who have no idea or are just laughing because they're Democrat staffers. People have no idea. And this is part of the design, part of the breaking apart of America. You'll hear the whole clip here in just a second. It's pretty phenomenal. You know, staying together as a family uh, is one of the things that we're called to do under God Almighty, right? There are minor, well, I don't want to say minor exceptions. There's major exceptions wherein marriages can be broken up and in a godly sense. And staying together as a family is something that God asks us to do. Now, the money part of this, let me ask you this question about the money part of this. Do you guys fight about money? Or argue about money? Or is it a stress point for you? Now, sometimes it's just ignoring it. Sometimes you don't talk about it. Sometimes you bury it. right? But if you want to stay together as a family, I think it begins with getting finances square. Now, of course, there's the emotions. There is caring for God's word. There's loving as a verb. All of that. But so many marriages end because of finances. They really do. Because it creates this crack, this fissure. So my advice is this. If you are in the middle of life, why not start now with Borough Capital Management? They focus on risk management for people nearing retirement 5, 10, 15 years out. But why not get aligned right now on finances with someone whose marriage is tied up in their company? That's Zach Abraham at Borough Capital Management, the chief investment officer there. His wife is a COO. And 90% or so of their family's net worth is in that company. So they're going to steward their money wisely. You know that. And consequently, of course, steward yours, not just because you're a client, but because they view this as biblical stewardship. Making that decision together starts with a phone call. Call them at 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK. You know Zach from the show. And talk to them as a husband and wife about moving your portfolio over to Bulwark Capital Management. And the first thing that they might tell you is, hey, don't move it all over here. 
Because what if we have a bad year? That's how honest they are. It's 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor. We know uh, on this program and to a large degree in conservative media about what the FBI has become. We know about Kimberly Strassel's view that it's incompetence and it's bias, and it goes so far beyond that. It is, it's phenomenal. And Strassel does a good job of creating a, you know, a, a picture of an FBI that is biased, but she will not call it corrupt, despite the fact that in her latest piece about the FBI, she calls out at least seven instances where that agency chose to lie to the FISA court. Seven. She regards them, regards them sometimes as, as, as uh, fabrications or exaggerations or hiding things in obliquely worded um, footnotes. Okay, so you're going to give benefit of the doubt. I'm not because of the pattern that we see. And the pattern that we see is so utterly, utterly clear. And so is this, the split nature of our information flow. This is one of the most brilliant ways to split a country. You know, you have the application of force when it comes to people who are pro-abortion versus people who are against abortion. We'll talk to Mia Cathell about that. Young reporter at Town Hall caught my attention because she's tracking the arrests of pro-life, pro-life protesters. And she's doing a good job of tracking. So we'll talk to her in a bit. So here is Senator Johnson in this debate. And the, the point that this guy makes is running against him is that Senator Johnson married money. That, that's his campaign. That's his campaign. Senator Johnson married money. That's that full stop in terms of the debate. That's his campaign. So Senator Johnson, and, oh, oh, and that Johnson's under investigation by the FBI. That's the other point. FBI set me up with a corrupt, with a corrupt briefing and then leaked that to smear me. I am, no, I mean, let's talk about, I mean, he is referring to corruption with the FBI, which I've been trying to uncover and expose. All right. So do we have time for, please, audience, please, we're trying to get through these. Audience, please, please, please don't laugh at a sitting United States senator disbelief. who is making a fool of himself. Oh my God. We, so we've gone, Michael Steele. <laughs> Ed Luce just helpfully sent me a text and he said, oh. We've gone from the full Monty to the full Mary. Of course. Where Ron, the mic. Right, Ron Johnson <laughs> goes, Full Mary and Barry. Yeah. The FBI set me up. The FBI set me up. You know, I don't know. It's just, there's no shade. There's no anything. It, they just throw this crap out there and they yeah. just say the wildest stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and you look at them and you go, okay, so when did they have time to do that? What, what, what purpose would oh. they have to oh, do that? Yeah. Are, are you really that valuable he, that they're going to? He's trying to cover up. It reminds me up. during Abscam. I don't know if you remember that scandal, but during Abscam, you had a member of Congress who was shoving much yes. money into his pockets he could he just he and yet all those things happened on video <laughs> marion barrier barry was snorting coke on video in a room with people he thought were drug dealers and prostitutes on video 
The ab scam thing, you're describing the video because it was on video. And the actions of the FBI in the last two years are literally unknown to people. They don't know about the kidnapping hoax. And this is one of the designs of the Mockingbird media. Is this, this, that's easy to hear that if you do not understand how corrupt the FBI has become. It's easy to respond that way with laughter. Kim Strassel at the Wall Street Journal says that the unmistakable goal of the Durham prosecution now is to uh, um, unveil what the FBI is. And she says it requires painting them as dupes. Well, you don't have to paint them as dupes. There's dupes in the FBI, but these at the top, these are not stupid people. On whole, people at the FBI are not stupid people. She writes, in part, the FBI commenced its ugly path on July 31, 2016, when it opened crossfire hurricane investigation into whether Mr. Trump's campaign was colluding with Russia based on uninformed hearsay from a low-level aide named George Papadopoulos. That also began receiving reports from a British former spy named Christopher Steele, a dossier containing allegations so surreal as to divide logic. The FBI rushed to meet with Mr. Steele in early 2016, It had undertaken no due diligence on its source, had been unable to verify a single dossier claim and never would verify one. At that meeting, it nonetheless took the astonishing step of offering Mr. Steele up to $1 million in taxpayer money to legitimize his own information. Usually the FBI pays another party to verify a source's report. Mr. Steele was still unable to verify anything. He initially even refused to tell the FBI the name of his source or sources. FBI supervisory analyst Brian Otten admitted to the court this week that while the Bureau had zero information or confirmation on any dossier details, it made the documents claims central to an October 21, 2016 application for a secret surveillance warrant against former Trump campaign official Carter Page. It did so despite knowing that Mr. Steele was an employee of opposition research firm Fusion GPS. It's self-paid by the Clinton campaign, a fact so damning, she writes, that the FBI cloaked it in a convoluted footnote to its application. It proceeded despite suspecting and later confirming that Mr. Steele was babbling to the press on behalf of the Clinton campaign, breaking FBI source rules. Early drafts of the page application blamed a press leak on Mr. Steele, but the FBI ultimately stripped out that crucial information, even as it vouched that Mr. Steele was a reliable source. The FBI also omitted exculpatory evidence, including the fact that Mr. Page worked as a contract for another U.S. intelligence agency for years. And the piece continues. Now, the moderators in that debate likely have no idea that any of this has gone on. They still still harbor the belief that the FBI is a trusted law enforcement agency. And this is one of the big reasons the DOJ must be utterly scrapped. And the laughter from those people, those are the same people who likely believe that every single morning, Cops wake up with the desire to go kill young black people. That it's just common, common, common desires of white cops to kill black kids. And if you say that, well, that's, 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 that's not accurate, then you don't get laughed or you get screamed at as a racist with checking your privilege. Still, 
Knowing the FBI's role in Jan 6 still, Liz Cheney wants to hand this all over to the DOJ. Julie Kelly, on the latest from the Jan 6 trial, she writes, let me get this straight. According to the J6 committee, everyone, including law enforcement, knew weeks in advance there would be violence that day. So the sergeant at arms for Pelosi and McConnell decided to reject Trump's offer and Capitol Police Chief's request for extra security or guardsmen, as did Mayor Browser, and instead thought some bike racks and a couple of Capitol cops would secure the building. And oh, yeah, Pelosi was so worried that she had her daughter and grandson at work that day so Alexandria could record the whole event that was supposed to be nothing, something. And the rioters just happened to succeed in getting Pelosi McConnell Biden's wish of halting debates on vote fraud and a vote to create an election commission, which is what was actually happening when the building was breached. Sounds legit. Writes Julie Kelly. Liz Cheney and her dear, dear friend Nancy Pelosi have voted to subpoena President Trump. And the president will have to make a decision to go or not go. And it's a brilliant move by the J6 committee. It's the only brilliant thing they've done. Everything else is lying. Everything else is selective. We all know that. Now, I'm not saying this is any different. We know about Trump's role in this. We know that he said, proceed peacefully. Do not confront the cops. The cops are friends. We know all of that. They knew this was coming. We knew people were angry. They made people angry. They baited people. They they coaxed people into anger. With the FBI's help. With the DOJ's help. Do we not think that the DOJ could have gone out and arrested Black Lives Matter Incorporated rioters and Antifa rioters the same way they're going out after pro-life people? The same way they're going after city councilmen in Western Washington because they went to, the, the, went to Washington, D.C. Full stop. That's the whole thing. With guns, you know, uh, with long guns and an armored personnel carrier for a guy who was already saying, hey, I'll just pop down to the FBI office and turn myself in. No, it's all selective. Then you have this. You have a meeting in Nancy Pelosi's office with CNN during the Capitol riot and protest. And you'll hear this audio from Pelosi. And I will describe to you the scene because the scene, what happens as this, you'll hear this audio. The scene is everything. What's going on visually is everything. I'll explain that. And uh, Joe Biden continues to, to, to mentally dissolve. And Mia Cathell on the arrests of pro-life protesters around the country. You know, on the topic of family and and thinking about family and what family can mean, uh, I just think about this as well, that my friends, um, well, they're really, they're godparents. I've talked about them many, many times in this program, dear, dear people to me, and I consider them a second second set of parents with whom I'm blessed. They made a great tradition out of coffee in the morning together. Um, 
And sometimes it was on their deck. Um, it's always, always together, always early in the morning uh, before, you know, the bothersome, <laughs> the bothersome teen they let stay in their house was awake long before that, or their beautiful sons. And they saw the sunrise together. That was just a tradition every morning when Gary was in town not traveling for business. Um, have you tried this yet with your family? Have you tried making bone frog a tradition? Hey, are you a military family? You have folks who served in the military. Maybe you did. Have you tried this tradition? Go to bonefrog.us and pick out some roasts you think your family will like. This would be a great way to try it. And just have a taste test party. Sit down, brew bone frog from bonefrog.us, however you do that. French press or drip or uh, espresso, whole bean, K-cup. And have a little taste test. And then read about the company. Watch the videos about the company at bonefrog.us. Watch how they put efforts into hiring veterans and working with companies that are veteran-owned. Learn about Dave Stewart, the guy who is their mentor in coffee roasting and makes some of their blends themselves. And see the pride, the God Country team on each bag. And understand then, as well as you drink this coffee, that you are helping to support the families of fallen Navy SEALs. If you have a military background in your family, what would that mean to have that be the tradition? Mornings, family get-togethers. And when you go to bonefrog.us after you try this and see if this is a tradition you want to take on, maybe it's just you and your wife. Maybe you both served. Maybe one of you did. This is a way to say thank you. When you decide you want the coffee forever, for life, You'll get 5% off at bonefrog.us. That's bonefrog.us. So let me set the scene here. Nancy Pelosi uh, is in her office and CNN is there. And of course, they intended to put up a show about this. And and as we're just talking about, uh, Julie Kelly makes a point that Pelosi was so freaked out, so afraid that she had her daughter and grandson in Washington, D.C. at the time in the Capitol so that they could make a movie about the event. So the scene is in her office. CNN cameras are there. Her staff is there. And the great lady has thoughts. Secret Service said they have dissuaded him from coming to Capitol Hill. They told him they don't have the resources to protect him here. So at the moment, he is not coming, but that could change. I would come to him and punch him out. This is my mom. I'm waiting for this, for trespassing on the Capitol grounds. I'm going to punch him out, and I'm going to go to jail, and I'm going to be happy. So here's what's going on as she threatens violence against the President of the United States. Again, and we know, of course, if Trump, if Trump had said it, dot, dot, dot. In the room, you know, it's during the time of the COVID. When they were still, when they were still merchandising COVID. COVID was the election. The election was COVID. The young staffer there informing the great lady. That the Secret Service had dissuaded President Trump from going there, which is, of course, when Trump jumped in his 70 years of age, he leapt over the seats in the beast, seized the steering wheel and began to beat 
a, a secret service agent who's at the height of his physical strength and prowess. Well, I mean, that didn't happen. Trump never got into this car that we should never, ever let them call the beast, and yet they do. The beast wasn't used. The Secret Service came out and said, yeah, that, that didn't happen. When that's going on, the staff are wearing woke masks. <laughs> the staff all have woke masks on their face, but not, not the great lady. And that's what this is all about. Secret Service said they have dissuaded him from coming to Capitol Hill. They told him they don't have the resources to protect him here. So at the moment, he is not coming, but that could change. Oh, he comes, I'm going to punch him out. This oh, is my mom. I'm waiting for this, for trespassing on the Capitol grounds. I'm going to punch him out and I'm going to go to jail and I'm going to be happy. There will have to be, from the very top of the DOJ to the very bottom, an utter house cleaning. And it will have to be done through Congress and the Senate. And it will have to be done by seizing and, and demand, well, demanding, and if they won't give, finding ways to seize every piece of paper about Crossfire Hurricane, every piece of paper about the kidnapping hoax in Michigan, every email every bit of data, and the goal is going to have to be a complete and utter remaking of these organizations, up to and including how we select attorneys general, up to and including putting some limits and some severe limits on what these guys get to do and when they get to do it. The fact that we have pro-life demonstrators being arrested some 18 months after they demonstrated should tell us a whole bunch. Like the fact that this has nothing to do with any current threat. It's all theater just like the woke mask and Nancy not wearing one. Now, there is some reason to believe, and we'll get into this later this week, that the Republicans may well take the House, and the Senate. And that may well be good news. Unless McCarthy and McConnell are still in place, they can't even bring themselves to criticize this man, the figurehead. I say this as a father of a man who won the Broad Star, the Conspicuous Service Medal, and lost his life in Iraq. <laughs> Did you know that Bo Biden was in Iraq at the same time as he was dying of brain cancer in the United States of America. He was also in Iraq, in, in combat, I would add. Lost his life, don't you know? They can't even bring themselves to criticize that man's state of mentality because they want to run against him. Because they want the big prize of the presidency because all the better to fulfill their donor's great wishes. In James chapter 4, verse 1 through 3, we're told to submit ourselves to God. Now, tell me if this doesn't describe the theater, the, the party, the convenient wedge issues they use to, to, to divide us, what the FBI wants. What the FBI wants is us to never again be able to elect a president we choose. What the FBI wants is utter and complete control. James chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. 
You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And we're told in the Bible that if we pray in, a, in abiding with God, and we pray in abidance with what he seeks, with his values, those are the prayers we should consider done in his name. And that doesn't describe D.C.? That doesn't describe a bureaucracy willing to do anything and everything to control us utterly. So the Republicans win. If they keep in place great men, great giants like McConnell and McCarthy, they will not, it'll be a, it'll be a power victory, a, a, a temporary victory. It'll be a sugar high. What we must do is elect godly leaders. I'm not here to say Ted Cruz is that man. I'm saying that Ted Cruz does at least show himself willing to attack this, and and it should be. Cruz probably would have been a better Supreme Court justice than he has been a senator. And I don't have a huge problem with Ted Cruz. In fact, I like Ted Cruz, except for when he joins in calling the January 6th protesters when he called them insurrectionists. At that point, I became very frustrated with Ted Cruz. Remember Cruz questioning Chris Ray. There was the case against individuals charged with kidnapping and murdering Governor Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan. That case ended up an absolute debacle where the four people who went to trial, two of them were acquitted, two received mistrials. None of them were convicted on even a single charge. And the basis of the defense was entrapment that the FBI, that paid enforcements for the FBI, had suggested and had incited the conduct. Let me ask you, how many FBI agents were disciplined or reprimanded after that disastrous case and the misconduct that led to every defendant being acquitted or having a mistrial on every charge? Uh, Senator, I can't comment on a personnel matter. I can tell you that that case, as I understand it, is now pending a, uh, a retrial, as I understand it. Well, the special agent in charge of that case has now been sent to D.C., to the Washington, D.C. office, and now leads the investigation regarding January 6th. Is that correct? That doesn't sound right to me. That does not sound right. The, the, the name of the individual is Stephen D'Antuno. He was, he was run out of the FBI Detroit field office. And by the way, I will point okay. out that the lead investigator, Special Agent Track, are you aware that he was apparently fired for allegedly beating his wife after coming home from a swingers party and he'd made multiple derogatory political posts about President Trump showing political bias? Are you aware of that? I am aware of, I think, the incident you're describing uh, and action that was taken about it. Uh, to clarify on the first part of your question, uh, Mr. D'Antuano was the special agent in charge of the office, uh, the Detroit field office, and is now the assistant director in charge of the Washington field office. I thought you were asking about the agent who was responsible for the So the guy in charge got promoted and is now in charge of the January 6th investigation. The guy in charge of the whole Detroit field office is now in charge of the whole Washington field office. That is astonishing. It is, in fact, astonishing, yet it is reality. And around the country now, it's in the, I think it now, 20 or more pro-life protesters have been arrested for protests a year, two years ago, where local police booked them on misdemeanors and let them go. We'll talk with Mia Cathal, a young reporter 
and a good one at townhall.com about that in just a second. Hey, the Soda Weight Loss Protocol, man, it shined. <laughs> wow. Uh, I had my weekly, we try to get together weekly, uh, dinner with a loved one, a family member, as close a family member as you could have. And she walked into the restaurants and I was stunned. Now, I hadn't seen her in two weeks. And, you know, when you drop unwanted fat, when you see someone regularly, it's this gradual thing. But man, I remember when I took off 150 pounds. And I took off the last bit of that, uh, you know, using a protocol. And that protocol, to me, reminds me very much of the soda weight loss protocol. And when I read the soda weight loss protocol, and I saw the videos and the Christian meditation, I know that stuff works. And I used to think it was hoo-ha. It does work. And I understand that you work with nutritionists and that this is a business built to operate anywhere at any time. No need to go in. When I lost the last bit of my weight, we took a break from uh, my daughter's speed skating because it was the off season. And, and I lost all this weight and I'll never forget coming back to our friends in the speed skating team. And people were shocked. Some people thought I was sick. <laughs> then when I took my coat off and they saw that I was still you know, lifting in good athletic shape, they said, oh my goodness. First time in my life I've ever been, had someone, a young person say, wow, Todd's yoked. I felt pretty good. It wasn't about aesthetics to me. It was about athletics. It was about feeling good, about sleeping better, about getting rid of the dangerous visceral fat. That's the stuff that'll give you diabetes and heart disease. Yeah, and it felt good to get those compliments, honestly. So my loved one walked in. I hadn't seen her in two weeks. I said, oh my gosh, your face is so skinny. Some people don't like those comments. They don't like it when you mention their body. They don't like it when you notice their fat loss. And I didn't even think about that. She loved it. She loved it. The soda weight loss people are healthcare providers by background. They got frustrated and sad because their great, great patients weren't able to drop fat and keep it off. So they designed this approach. Over 7,000 Google reviews, 4.8 out of 5 stars, 4.8 average out of 5 stars, SOTA, it's S-O-T-A, stands for State of the Art, S-O-T-A, SOTAweightloss.com. They are so energetic at helping people drop the fat, they love it. So Mia Cappell joins me from Town Hall and other places. Mia, thank you for coming on the Todd Herman Show, I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. Um, there is an attack, and it's quite evident that as I see it, you know, I, I call Joe Biden the figurehead personally, um, that the figurehead has been caused to just unleash the FBI and the DOJ on political opponents. And right now, uh, it's, it's going out against just everyday pro-life protesters and people working to save lives. How big is this uh, in, in your coverage? How, how widespread is this? I mean, this, this is a huge, you know, takedown of pro-life leaders. There were 11 um, who were named in a DOJ indictment last week. And these are pro-life leaders from across multiple states. Um, and two of them weren't even arrested on the day in question uh, when the protest happened. One of them was working with law enforcement to ensure everyone's safety. And so he was the one, Paul Vaughn, the uh, president of Personhood, Tennessee. Uh, he was in that FBI raid footage. His wife was filming. 
it's just insane that, as you were saying, these are God-loving Americans, um, and none of them violently assaulted anyone, as you know, Biden's DOJ said in, in the rhetoric in that press release. And some of these cases, as I understand it, are, are 18 months old, and suddenly, I don't want to use the phrase resurrected um, in relation to abortion, but they've been resurrected. They've just been brought back to life, correct? That's right. This is from early March 2021. So imagine, you know, you get arrested by local police for criminal trespassing, you know, a, petty, a petty crime, and then seeing that it's made into a federal case that you face up to 11 years in federal prison, that's insane. And when the FBI is going out and doing these raids, I mean, these are not polite knocks on the doors. It's not phone calls. Um, you know, some of these folks have said, hey, just let me know. I'll, I'll turn myself in if this is what you want to do. How consistent is the over-the-top presence of a militarized FBI in this? I mean, it's happened on at least three occasions. It happened with that other pro-lifer, uh, I believe Mark Hulk, might not be pronouncing his name right, happened with 73-year-old Chester Gallagher. Uh, there was reports that he told, you know, outlets, guns drawn, these heavily armed FBI agents showing up at his place. And then, of course, with Paul Vaughn. And they're doing it in front of children, in front of wives. When I hear about this, um, there's some quotes from some uh, actual wartime generals that, that roll through my mind. And that is that sometimes some of this stuff's going to get out of hand and someone's really going to get hurt. Um, this requires speculation. Uh, and maybe you don't speculate, and you're a journalist, and I'm not. I'm a, I'm a podcaster and opinionist. Uh, I wonder to what degree the people who run Joe Biden and the FBI, they want to see an incident. They want to see a pro-lifer get scared, uh, make a bad decision, and and engage in violence. Yeah, I, I do see it as you know egging on, because when you see the presence of these long rifles appearing on your place at your doorstep, and I assume some of these people are probably, you know, pro Second Amendment, probably carry as well. And so it's just a very scary scene when you see your children terrorized, your wife crying. Um, so I can see that it creates this very volatile situation um, that they want something to happen. And I don't know that we're alone in that assessment, Mia. Uh, and by the way, there's a, a link to Mia's work in the show notes, so you can read her. I suggest you follow her on all the outlets. Um, so she's writing a lot about this. I, I don't think we're alone in that assessment, that there seems to be, maybe even across the board, uh, this effort to goad people into violence. And, um, you know, we saw the Summer of Love, which is what the, the former mayor of Seattle called the, you know, the Black Lives Matter Incorporated protests and the Antifa protests and the seizing of uh, a good portion of downtown Seattle, which incidentally is off topic. But just to let you know, the inspector general in Seattle has announced that that was the fault of the police um, that, that take over the city. So there seems to be this concentrated effort that maybe they, they've come out and said that white national um, domestic terror is the number one problem in the country, but they don't have enough supply of it. So it seems like they're trying to manufacture supply. Does that seem reasonable? It, it does. I mean, if you just read the rhetoric in this DOJ press release, because I saw all the liberals and leftists on Twitter who responded to my original coverage. Well, did you see the words of the Biden administration? Are you going to blindly believe your government like that? When there is documentary evidence, it's even cited in the DOJ indictment 
uh, the footage from this protest. And it just shows an hour and a half long of some elderly senior citizens just sitting in front of the store. They're praying. Some of them are crying over the slaughter of innocent babies. And they're just singing church hymns. And this is the image of terror that the Biden administration is trying to paint. So, yeah, take us through those scenes. I mean, you did a good job of touching on it, but um, I'm led to believe that this is a violent group of people. If I'm, if I'm to believe the government, then I don't. If I'm to believe the government, these are violent people who are physically blocking people, um, human chain, uh, no access to the abortion, uh, to the abortionists, um, you know, threatening people if they try to cross that line. Um, that doesn't sound like it's the least bit accurate. No, I mean, if, if anyone actually just watched a clip of this footage, they'd see an 87-year-old grandmother in a wheelchair sitting in front of the front door. Like, any healthy, able-bodied person can easily get around her. And of course, I'm not defending criminal trespassing. Uh, a lot of them, you know, know that they're going to be arrested that day, know that it's a crime, but they're saying we're willing to lay down our freedoms, lay down our lives to save children, or they see it as, just like a firefighter runs into a burning building. They're saving a life. And so they're willing to sacrifice their freedom, willing to be arrested, not just to bring the pro-life cause to the public discourse, but, you know, that is a righteous cause to save children from slaughter. Do you happen to work in the center of the center of the universe in D.C. by any chance? Uh, I live uh, in Arlington on the Virginia side. So I I stay out of uh, the swamp for the most part. (laughs) So I used to live in Arlington. We lived in courthouse and then uh, up by the mall for a bit. Uh, So I I know the area. Well, the reason I ask is, is, is I recall there was some super heroic, uh, very brave female members of Congress who chose to get arrested and chose to surround the Supreme court. And if I don't recall, uh, they had some really violent rhetoric uh, around Supreme Court justices and get in their face and fight, fight, fight. And they chose to get arrested. Is there, have you gotten wind of any plans to uh, have the FBI visit Liz Warren's house or um, AOC's house at this point, maybe to raid them and bring them in? Nothing whatsoever. And you also see these pro-abortion extremists are still showing up outside. Amy Coney Barrett's house, outside Brett Kavanaugh's house. This is after that one uh, extremist was arrested outside Brett Kavanaugh's house over the summer for, you know, the attempted assassination on his life. So these protests are still happening. They're terrorizing suburban communities. You you see it on social media. They're doing it Monday through Friday. And so, you know, that's still happening. And they're still trying to intimidate these justices for the purpose of, you know, trying to rule it in their favor, even though the Dobbs decision came out. Well, I think it's, um, you know, the way that these leftists play the game and, and I, I, from my perspective, Mia, I'm sure you can see the cross of Christ in the background. Um, from my perspective, we're not at war with these people. These are, we're in a battle with spirits and principalities, um, you know, not, not of the earth, but who are, or, you know, rule it to some degree. And I think that the, the plan is to make the justices' families fearful and miserable for the rest of their lives. Um, that the guy who came out from Oregon, a man who believes he's a woman who came out from Oregon to try to kill them, that's, there's no news coverage. There's no concern. Um, there's, I don't hear, uh, in fact, I don't hear a, a, a bleep 
from Republican leaders on this. I mean, have you? You, you may monitor this more closely. Than I. I know there's some Republicans who are up in arms about this, but dang it, I don't see Mitch McConnell or Kevin McCarthy saying, what are we doing with FBI agents going and storming people's homes? Yeah, I, I, I don't see much coverage around that. Uh, that story about the trans woman, the, the attempted, you know, assassin, you know, that just kind of disappeared from the news cycle. We just move on to the next story after it serves its political purpose. And then, you know, that, that's just crazy. This, this kid was, you know, um, he, he saw these Reddit posts. He saw all the hype surrounding the potential overturning of Roe v. Wade. And so you see like how this online culture and far left communities, how it uh, makes these extremists do real world harm. Oh, yeah. Uh, And I think they do it with glee. It gives meaning to lives that, you know, a man who's been convinced that he's a woman, he has some severe problems and seems to be looking for meaning in life. And of course, the, the left is happy to offer him that meaning of, hey, go be go be an assassin. And in that way, of course, you'll gain legitimacy. Um, I am in my mid-50s. May I ask your general age? Uh, I uh, just turned 23 in July. Um, I ask not to be rude or presumptuous, simply because I'm curious about this generational difference. There really are generational differences. Most of my friends um, that I get to see regularly are in their 30s. There's a lot of generational difference. But one of the things I've noticed is some very very clear uh, pro-life, anti-abortion stances. And I'm blessed to have a lot of friends who are um, evangelical Christians and, and have an actual biblical worldview. Uh, is what, what is it like with your peer group? I mean, you're a focus group of one, but uh, how do you observe your generation in regard uh, to abortion and what it is and what it means? Well, um, I believe that, you know, hookup culture through Tinder, through Bumble, even Grindr, you know, for that's the platform for gays as well as Tinder, um, helped along this kind of perversion of what love's supposed to be because uh, that also facilitates these kind of connections that are short term. It's just an, a night of lust. And so that's how abortion comes into play. That. Uh, they think that they have some kind of moral superiority surrounding the pro-abortion arguments. Oh, it's my body. It's my choice. I'm, a, you know, an empowered woman. I'm an independent woman going out and having sex with all these different men when it's degrading them. They don't see it as that. Um, and then they truly think it's self-righteous to kill their own child uh, because they believe it's not a separate life. And so I, there's just so much promiscuity in my generation. And I feel like that's just a growing trend. You know, it's, it's interesting because I live um, in, in the high mountains of, of what I call the high mountains of free America. So I live in North Idaho and, but we came from Seattle and this is my home. I I grew up over here. Uh, My family did not grow up over here. And I've seen in Seattle, I've watched abortion go from safe and rare, so-called safe, of course, we know the truth about that, um, to shout your abortion. But truly, in this, in this part of the country, um, it's just, just the opposite. And, and young people stand here for life. And, 
Um, how concerned are you about the ultimate dividing of the country along these lines, along what Mitch McConnell wants to call social issues, which is laughable? Uh, good luck having a conservative society when people are taught it's if it's convenient, kill a baby. When people are taught there's no such thing as men or women. Uh, when people are taught you can mint a trillion dollar coin and pay off the debt. Good luck having a conservative society. Um, so people my age, we're pretty concerned about this growing separation. And uh, I've been describing it for a decade as a cold civil war. What's, what is your thinking on that? I, I agree. And I think we see it too with uh, geographic location. You know, urban cities, coastal cities, they're just in such bubbles. They don't see, you know, what it's like to be a laborer, what it's like to be like hardworking Americans out you know, you can clearly see that in Pennsylvania, where I grew up, Pittsburgh, Harrisburg, uh, Philadelphia, such democratic strongholds. But then there's all these suburban communities around them. It's like the white picket fence American dream. And then you see Amish country as well. And that's where the family values are uh, priority of the home. And I see like such a polarization between the two. But, you know, I feel like a generation on generation that you kind of just grow out of the angstiness yeah. that I feel like it, it's just a different cause. Every generation just searches for a cause. And then hopefully, you know, millennials are still somewhat in that kind of angsty phase. Once they hit um, older in life that they realize, what is this all for? I, I have more fulfillment in family than I do in a night of lust. What role in, in your generation does faith play for people as you observe your generation? I mean, faith should play a bigger role. I think there's more atheists in my generation. Uh, I think that's thanks in part to social media, um, just like a bunch of nihilists on there. So I think we need, um, you know, CCD isn't the same as it was anymore. Parents aren't forcing their kids to go to church every Sunday, aren't going to catechism, or they, you know, they're uh, CEOs, Christmas, Easter only kind of right. Catholics Right. Um, that we need to reinstill that. And, you know, like certainly like my grandparents' generation, that was something that if you don't go to church on Sunday, you don't go out the rest of the week. The, so. This this is that part of what formed you, it seems like. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, are you grateful for that? I'm grateful. I mean, my grandma, um, she lived with me more like I lived with her and yeah. everything. She came over to China when. Uh, my mom adopted me. So, yeah, I mean, I was an altar server. I, I did all of that. And so I would hope to instill that in my kids. And yeah. I think we're seeing a decline of faith in the household. And that's one of the main uh, social issues that we have. And instead, uh, kids are adopting a different kind of faith. They're praising figures in entertainment and in Hollywood. And there's certainly no celebrities to glorify when they're twerking on stage, when they're you know, hopping between lovers every yeah. month. Um, so that that's a different kind of religion we're seeing out there. Uh, well, yeah, it's it's been it's been a a, a faith structure before in history. Um, there was the Baals and and paganism, and you know, I'm fascinated by this um, this trend of what's called morally therapeutic theism. Oh, sure, I believe in God, and and God's job is to is to bless what I do. 
And God's job is to agree with me and, and et cetera. And, um, you know, when you wind this back down to the, the topic of abortion, how do you respond when people your age say, well, the Bible doesn't talk about abortion. God, Jesus never talked about abortion. Um, do you ever hear that? And if so, how do you respond to that? I mean, these are the same types who, are, who claim like Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, that they're such devout Catholics. There's just no such thing as a pro-abortion Catholic out there. Um, it's just insane the kind of mental gymnastics that they do. And they also have no business making any kind of biblical illusions when they don't go to church since, you know, their, their grandparents made them. Well, right. And there's, then there is this um, people who have skimmed the Bible with memes uh, and they've skimmed it with some YouTube videos or they've just been, they've come into contact with it colloquially who, who don't believe that there's you know, a single path uh, to heaven and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the, the way, the truth, and the life. That's it. Um, they don't believe any of that, but then when they get into these arguments, all of a sudden they they grow uh, expert gravitas. Oh, well, Jesus never spoke of abortions, and there's nothing in the Bible about that. But it's not just this generation. Um, I heard the Reverend Al Sharpton and Joe Scarborough, uh, who you know is a theologian, um, sat and had the same discussion, and and Scarborough and the Reverend. Al Sharpton agreed, oh, yeah, there's there's nothing. You can't defend a pro-life position. Well, I mean, there is the fact that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. There is the fact that the Lord, you know, counted the hairs on our head before we were born, knew us, right, prior to this, made us in his image and says, do not murder. Uh, And God knows well when life begins. And it's, 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 life has never skipped a step, right? There's always the conception step. It's fascinating. Um, do you get trolled? Do you get people uh, attacking you on, on social media for, for covering this? And if so, how do you personally deal with that emotionally and spiritually and, um, you know, from a perspective of feeling safe? In their usual argument is to appeal to the government's rhetoric. Well, this is what my government told me, so it must be true. And it's really, you know, Orwellian kind of thinking to just blindly believe what uh, Biden said, what the DOJ said. And that is placing this authority, you know, above the word of God. And it's also, as you were saying, uh, these people have no business making biblical references. They're bending the Bible to their own will. The Bible is absolute, but they like to interpret it along whatever their whims is, whims are of the day. Um, and so I, I think it's very sad, the kind of mental gymnastics that they do to try to justify the killing of an innocent and unborn life, yeah. especially when it's your own kin. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so, so very well said. Uh, there's a link to, to Mia's work. It's in the show notes, share it with friends. Uh, a young woman who is, I, I believe a brave young woman and I believe doing godly work and man in journalism too at townhall.com. Uh, so support her, pray for her, uh, read her work, share her work. You're welcome back anytime. I, I am, uh, you've lifted my mood today. Uh, I feel better about your generation because you are in it. And I would ask you to go with God's good grace. Thank you so much. Maybe it does you good as well to hear a young person willing to speak so bravely about a topic like this. Bravely, but the way that we are told to speak by the Lord Jesus. Truth wrapped in grace. That's the only thing that gets us out of this. That's godly leaders and prayer. 
This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, and speak truth wrapped in grace.